cut but morally corrupt it's forwards backwards podcast not from the corner of Glen Wayne Monroe and not from the gimme some truth studios this week we provide a nuanced examination of forward Madison football club that is sure to please everyone who listens as always I'm joined by the Samuel Johnson to my James Boswell Kyle Carr the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting Dan Fallon has headed west to grow up with the country. And and honestly, if you ask me where Dan Fallon is... We don't know. We don't know. So please don't come up to us at matches. Don't come, come up to us at the U.S. Open Cup. Don't come up to us and say, where's Fallon? Because literally, we don't know. I mean, at certain points, he is off the grid. He's you can literally move. throw a dart at a map in the western part of the United States, and it could be that. So, yeah, do not bother Kyle or I. We are also very uh, fortunate to have with us the new president of the flock, uh, Sarah Scott. And Sarah is coming to us live from Washington, D.C., uh, the nation's capital. Uh, and she can talk a little bit about how this has shifted her role. And we can talk about what all that means. And Kyle, as also as a board member, uh, you are the secretary, which I'll be honest, the worst role on any board is being the secretary. I, I will it. say, I, I, I oh, man, <laughs> you know it. what, you know what, this is because Sarah was the person in your study group who had fantastic notes. She like, she outlined every chapter for you. Really I, I will right say now? out of the roles, <laughs> I can just tell about you, Sarah, that you had great notes in your study groups. I don't mind the role I have. It has made me sometimes a bit of a jerk during board meetings, but it is not. I, I'd rather have that role than some other roles. Well, you know, actually nobody... done a phenomenal job about keeping us on time. I'd like to point that out. I was not good at that. See, and that was me kind of being an asshole. So I apologize to people on the board meetings. If I seem like an asshole, I'm just trying to get us in the time that we have. Yeah. Well, because otherwise board meetings just last forever. So, Kyle, USL Fever back. We had local commercials. We had janky cameras. We had the sun setting over the press box right in the middle of the camera for about the first 10 minutes of the match. So everything we love about USL League One. Did I mention local commercials? You got to move to Chattanooga for the gig. I mean, that's really the only reason. That's the biggest deal. Um, But... I, Kyle, I want to quote Frank Lampard to you and ask, have you got the, or, and say, you can flip it and say, have you got the bollocks to podcast about USL League One? Apologies, of course, but that's the football term. So, Kyle, have you got the bollocks? Considering I am doing this pod along with a whole other show that covers the league as a whole. I think I do. Although it has been a long time since we've done this pod. So there's a lot of rust I got to knock off. Well, you know, we're, we're in preseason cause we took an extended off season. Uh, I, a bit like Tom Brady uh, facilitated, maybe Brett Favre. Uh, wasn't sure if I was, I would say it was more of a Brett Favre. Maybe even, maybe even our own turbo Tobin who, Everybody thought wasn't coming back and then made the, the swerve and is now back in the league with Vermont. Um, you know, I, I thought I was maybe retiring, leaving the podcasting game and then some preseason hype got to me. And I thought, well, one more year, at least, you know, 
I've still got unfinished business on the podcasting front, like, like Tom Brady. So, you know, America's greatest podcast is back. So you've, you've got the bollocks, you're ready to, to, to bring it back. And we're just going to come with, you know, fiery hot takes for, for the next fiery hot takes and three hour episodes. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Nothing, nothing but we're just going to point out going. that three hours from now is 9 PM for me. So like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the kids nor Emma would be happy if I went three hours. Uh, well, like at three hours, I think we would have just all like I'm not drinking. So that's really the only way I can sit anywhere for three hours is if there's alcohol involved and I've just got water. So, yeah, I'll, we'd all tune out. We'd probably be just yelling at each other and, and so on and so forth. So uh, like at home. Yeah. <laughs> with my family. Yeah. Um, thankfully don't listen to this <laughs> it would be like it would be like your worst christmas dinner ever um with with like i think kyle and i could both play the angry drunken uncle role pretty well at this point um so uh sarah what is what is going on with the flock we're excited to have you as the new president um you know uh you've got a pretty good leadership team in place though so it's a, a very new board right andrew who had helm the, the the leadership for the first couple of years no longer leading the board um some new places people in two new roles so really what are you you know hoping to get out of this this first year of your your flock presidency you know kind of moving forward sure so oh let's see yes it is a very very new board i'm trying to think um chris fox is i believe the only one who's stayed over from, no, I mean, Kyle Carr, yes, but you weren't on the board last year, were you? Oh, okay, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. like I'm talking like consecutively. Previous board I, experience Kyle yeah. has, yeah. Well, previous board experience, then you have Kyle, Kyle, me, and Chris. Um, I believe that's yeah, everyone so. who's, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have, um, in terms of from last year, pretty much a new board. Um, everyone has been wonderful in their positions. You've got um, my co-president, um, Ian, who um, will be doing most of the match day ops pieces related to the presidency, kind of all of the um, pre-game uh, things, basically everything you need to do in person. That's, that's <laughs> what he's going to do, because as you mentioned, I am not there in person, which I'm sure will get to me. It got to me a little bit when I was watching the match. And I'm sure it'll be even harder when I sit down to watch you all at Breeze, but um, I will be there in spirit. And let's see, then we've got Kyle Carr, our wonderful secretary, keeps us on task. Kyle Griffin, who's doing our treasury um, and balancing our budget, which he's been doing a great job. And um, especially as we come up to our five year, um, five years as an organization is coming up pretty pretty quick and as a nonprofit that has some meaning to it. Um, and then we've got our at-large officers, Leo, Chris, and Kelly. So yeah, a lot of um, a lot of changes there. We're really just hoping to drive up engagement as we come out of the pandemic. I think if I had to pick one thing, um, really just getting our feet back under us, getting to be in person, well, you all, um, getting to be in person together again, um, and just keeping that going. I think that's probably the biggest thing, but we're pretty excited. Now you had mentioned the, the five-year anniversary and one of the things you've uh, noted that your task is kind of handling the, the legal side of things. 
and maybe explain a little bit about why that's important and why it's important to the to the flock in in some sure. sense. You sure you're going to have any listeners after I'm done with this? Well, you know, I kind of <laughs> keep it entertaining. Sarah. If we haven't driven them away, I'm sure you won't. Fair. Um, no, it, it is a big deal. Um, five years as a nonprofit means that you get to submit your um, reporting to the IRS, which um, ironically, I actually walked past. And let me building. let me tell you, we are <laughs> League One's number one crossover IRS Forward Madison podcast. Like, if there's one thing that we can guarantee to people, it's bringing together the IRS and League One are um, our favorite, our favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. These are the, the best things that you can possibly do. They do have a really like hidden. Well, it's not hidden, but it's not obvious building um, down on Constitution. Um, I was walking down there the other day. But the IRS um, or League One? Oh, the IRS. <laughs> I don't think League One. <laughs> I'd be surprised if League One was on. No, they're in. They're in Tampa. They're in. You know, they are in Florida. Don't have to pay tax. I mean, fair point. Tax in the district. Being in the IRS, USL League One giant tax dodge. But neither here nor there. We are. You know. Speaking of tax dodging, we're a nonprofit. People are more than welcome to donate money to the Flock and the Flock Soccer Foundation. Um, kind of going back to that five-year mark, um, we do have some like financial obligations we have to meet as an organization um, in collaboration with the foundation. Um, since all of our financials are still tied as one, um, we would like to be able to diversify our donor base. So if you have any cash lying around or other uh, ideas for potential collaborations with donors in the community, um, Line around, just give Grant a shout out. He's our uh, charity and outreach, and um, that'll help us. But yeah, we have to uh, submit um, proof to the IRS that we are a publicly funded group, um, that we're not funded by a single group or person, family, what have you. Um, so that's kind of been the bulk of mine and Kyle Griffin and Kyle Carr's work. Um, going forward is just making sure that we can meet that um, so we can stay a nonprofit and do all of the wonderful work that the foundation is doing um, in terms of, I know this year they are poised to give out many, many grants um, to our partners um, to help kids get through um, and get into soccer programming. I know that's coming down the pipe. Yeah. And just to, Um, you know, and and just to speak to that, you know, um, I'm in, you know, there are a couple of, of, uh, organizations, Millennium Soccer Club, which is one I'm in, involved in. Uh, they've been great supporters. Um, and one thing I'll do is every year I, I on this podcast and elsewhere give a pitch that we are always looking for uh, volunteers at Millennium Soccer Club. So if you're a member of the flock and you're if and you don't have a pile of cash lying around, but you are looking to donate something, feel free to donate your time to Millennium Soccer Club. Uh, which, you know, we, we would welcome it. And you can find out more about volunteering at millenniumsoccer.org. Uh, you also uh, have helped out with uh, Wisconsin Warriors, which is um, you did a, a great job of fundraising for uh, getting a, a, a you know, Ali a, a, a wheelchair so that he can play power soccer, which is is really unique. And, and as well, um, 
you, you guys have done great work in helping cap East soccer club and supporting their players. And then, you know, there have been, and I've been on discussions with uh, Liam and Scott and Grant and uh, helping to recruit and train referees in the, in the local community, um, which would be, which would be great as well. And, and maybe create a pipeline for kids who may not get, who love soccer and may not get uh, exposed to that. So the flock soccer foundation has been doing great work that's part of being a nonprofit, making sure that the nonprofit stays nonprofit. It would make, it means a great deal to a number of organizations in the community. So um, yeah. related to that, you know, you're not just donating so that we can shoot off fireworks in, in the corner. If you're donating um, you're donating to, to lots of stuff throughout the community and, you know, lots of ideas yet that I think the pandemic has put on that the pandemic put on hold that we could still see, you know, developing going forward, if that, if that makes sense. So definitely, um, I, I will say that like the precedent has been set to, um, if you are wondering about things like that, uh, we fund, well, I would say entire match day operations budget comes from merch sales. It doesn't come any money that's just donated to us. Anything we raise specifically for, um, activities that's like just general donations that all goes back to all of those organizations, um, through the foundation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not just so we can have smoke and fireworks and flags, although those are great too. Yeah. I mean, that goes into the, but that's kind of a, and a corollary we'll say one of the, mm -hmm. one of the events that you guys have done for charity. And it also featured where the, uh, um, the, the, jerseys. the jerseys were the, the away yeah. jerseys. Thank you. Designed by the supporters, which uh, I thought, uh, you know, there was some talk on the social medias that they weren't as bold maybe as years past, but I thought they presented really well on the screen. They look great on the camera. They look clean and classic and, and cool on screen. So I thought that was great, but also the, so those were presented at the, the gala that was uh, a couple of weeks ago before, before the season. And so that was at Garver, Feed mill, and I know Sarah, you wanted to thank some some of the folks involved in getting that organized. Oh yes, yes, definitely. I um, especially with my moving out here, I um, I knew I was leaving it in very, very, very capable hands, and I was certainly not disappointed. Um, Kelly, Natasha Williams, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. Um, you know, all of the people like Grant and Liam who collected all of the. Um, or a good portion of the silent auction, all of that, everyone who came out and donated and had fun. I loved seeing the pictures. Zach's suit was, was something. It was a choice. I really liked it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, can I, can yes. I tell you, I did get a photo of apparently Zach changed in the, the parking lot. And so Dan was just out walking the dog. So I did get a photo from Dan of Zach changing his suit in the parking lot behind the Garver feed mill before the event, which, and, and he said, Zach was like waiting, you know, to make sure that he didn't get him, you know, changing. And Dan's like, I was, I was too sharp for him. I, I, I hit out with the dog and made sure to get the picture. So, uh, Zach, there are, nice. you know, uh, Dan and Kuba and I have traded, uh, half naked photos of you if you're listening. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Sarah, you, you can, we can keep you involved in the community by keeping you mm -hmm. on the podcast and talking a little bit about the matches. And so that's where we're going to turn now. As mm -hmm. always, we have three key points that we wanted to talk about this week. We also added some, some various sub points, which we'll touch on. Uh, the first key point was 
uh, and I'm I'm not musical, so I'm not going to do it. But no, 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 Bartman coming through, 95th minute winner. Um, you know, ball played out into the right, got uh, moved into Strang, who tried to turn and hit the ricochet, popped back out, and came to Bartman, who who popped it into the the goal. Took advantage, I think, of a mistake from the from the Chattanooga goalkeeper to create that, and I think that's more than anything what created. I mean, I think Chattanooga very strong defensively, and we're going to touch on that in our third point a little bit. But uh, Sarah, Kyle, what was your kind of reaction to the Bartman goal there at the end? Thank God, because I was getting really annoyed <laughs> <laughs> through most of the match, <laughs> only because. Kyle annoyed at the results of a soccer game. I I know never would have thought it was one of those were for the first for like 60 ish minutes. It was not looking great. It was tough. It didn't seem like chances were really popping up. And then it's, you started noticing the urgency was starting to get there. They're trying to get some chances. They're getting better looks. Bartman. I know earlier uh, before that, it it was around, I want to say like seventh minute. He had a good shot at the top of the box. It just went straight to the keeper. Unfortunately, so they're at least starting to look like, you know, a little bit more lively and a little bit more urgent. And then it was getting near the end and Chattanooga's doing their time wasting, whether they were actually cramping up or shit housing their way. I don't know, but, but. Well, and again, this is so important that point three is Chattanooga shithousery because they started cramping up immediately after they scored that goal in the 44th minute. And it was not terribly hot in old Chattanooga, as far and as I, I know, they have their injury concerns going into the match. You know, it, it happens. It was just one of those where as the match was going on, it's funny because I'm the USL broadcast and only showed two minutes. So it yeah. seemed like in typical USL fashion, a goal would come like three minutes after the match was supposed to end. That's never happened before. Um, but, but as that was happening and it was just a very good goal. And I was just very relieved because I felt like a draw seemed fair I mean, most of it is because Phil Bruno's fantastic and was a fucking wall, but a draw seemed like a fair result. So them getting away with the point, it was, it was just a nice sigh of relief. And so what I'll say on the two minutes, by the way, uh, on the broadcast, I think the sign in the stadium said five minutes and I think it yes. was a broadcast the scoreboard, like the scoreboard that you would have saw yeah. said two. it just made me yeah. laugh. Cause I like, this is, we're, we're definitely peaking at league one level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you couldn't get those. Now, um, Kyle, you, you were a little bit more involved in the preseason. You know, I was off doing my Tom Brady stuff, but Bartman throughout the preseason has been putting it in the back of the net, right? Putting the biscuit in the basket, as far as I understand. Yes, and he was there. Oh, God. No, no, no. Uh, go ahead. I was just I was just going to say he was very impressive. He scored in Marquette. I believe he scored either in Minnesota or against the fight. I think it was Minnesota. Um and Northern Illinois, I believe like he was just popping up and he was getting himself in really good spots. So it was something where I didn't, and we were saying it like at the beginning of Marquette, we're just like, who is this guy? Like he's everywhere. He seems to be everywhere. And I don't know who he is. I've never seen this guy, but he looks good. Like he looks like someone that definitely can cause some trouble around the box. And then we find out who he is and looking at his background. So, yep, that makes a lot more sense. And so, no, he was definitely one of the ones that impressed in preseason. I think it was that preseason that, got him the contract. And I think he's going to be someone that probably will start by the time people are listening to this either tomorrow or Wednesday for the open cup. But I will let Sarah uh, talk. Cause I know I kind of cut her off. <laughs> now you're good. Um, give me some time to collect my thoughts. You're much more adept at uh, 
sports podcasting than I am. Um, I will say my first thing was that I'm pretty sure my neighbors think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> the walls here, they're like thick, but they're not that thick. And I definitely- They're not 95th minute, minute winner from, for, or uh, equalizer from forward Madison thick is what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. So whatever. I mean, they'll have to learn. It's going to be, I'm hoping it's going to be a thing throughout the season. Um, so that'll be good. Uh, I definitely think, and maybe this is just some, I won't say confirmation bias, but that's probably not the right term, but I was looking for more attacking. Therefore I saw more attacking, um, is probably what happened, but I definitely felt, especially like you were saying, Kyle, in the end, there was definitely some more aggressiveness, um, Definitely some animation from coach. I noticed that in the preseason too. That was one of the things I picked up on. Um, I just felt that coach was more animated, more, you know, vocal. And again, that can just be different coaching styles, but I think that's a little bit, personally, I think that's what we needed. Um, kind of someone to light a fire um, under some people. And get uh, us I will moving. say, unlike his, <laughs> his pregame match videos, which are about as entertaining as watching paint dry, I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews with Coach Glazer, but we're going to play hard uh, for 90 minutes. Uh, like, it's totally monotone. It is just like a ser- – like, he gives you no information. It's fantastic. If it's performance art, it, he is nailing it because it is fantastic. You're saying he would make, like, a great witness, right? Because yep. – he only answers the questions he's asked and nothing more, yep. which is like perfect. Yep. Like that's if, all I need you to do. Probably yep. not entertaining, but for yep. me. And, and it's why, <laughs> yeah, when you're, when you're uh, doing, you know, your, your court uh, TV shows, usually you take some, some, uh, you know, dramatic liberties with, with, you know, in law and order. Uh, one thing, <laughs> but, you know, to the, to the point that, you know, we had, we had kind of touched on there and in, in animated more pressing what kind of has me excited about Bartman's preseason and that he got this goal, it, it was a case where he was just kind of in the right place at the right time, had a shot earlier. But what we haven't had, and we had a little bit at the beginning of the year last year with, with Jake Keegan, and I think when people talk about like a number nine and we can look at what Tiam did, which I thought he was relatively effective in what he did, you know, off the ball. He didn't get any really great chances, so he had a good volley Um you know, uh, back to back that just got blocked. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And he hit him, you know, hit him, struck him well, you know, um, and w- had a couple of crosses and was moving outside and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, when people talk about a number nine, what they really want is a guy that maybe is playing out in the wing, um, you know, for our club team in England, Kyle, I think most solace sometimes fills this role. Diego Jota has done this as well, but a guy when, even when you're not playing well, you know, even when it's the first game of the season, maybe all the the gears are not clicking, uh, can still pop up and score a goal. And if Bartman gives us that, that's something really optimistic to think about going into the end of the year as well. Something that we can hopefully take away is that maybe if we're not even, you know, playing that well, we can still get from Bartman a guy guy that'll pop up, get a late, late equalizer, even when maybe we don't deserve it and help us steal some of those points, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because that equalizing goal, all 
three of the forwards kind of made their own contribution. And I'll even include Cassini, who's more of an attacking type of midfielder. Mm. You know, he gets the ball, cuts inside. He's able to get the pass out wide to Tiam, who is able to then dribble it over. And then you see Wheeler Omeniu come in, make a run into the box. I'll touch on more of that later. He gets, and then Tiam is able to get the pass to him. AWO is able to get the pass to Strang, who fantastic touch trapping the ball. Good turn, good shot. Just someone's right there, literally in front of the block it. And then that's when Bartman comes in. It's like all three forwards played a huge part. And yes, Strang may not have gotten the goal, but it was his touch and trapping that allowed him to even get a chance to get a shot off. Because if he had not trapped it well enough, it probably would have ricocheted around the box, gets cleared out, probably doesn't get to someone like Bartman, who made a smart run as well into the box. Like I said, almost the same spot as his other shot earlier. And this time it was just a perfect rocket. Even the guy on the lot, the goal line couldn't really fully clear. It still went off his head. So it is just kind of nice to see that all three forwards are able to contribute to this goal. And with Tiama, it was just more of a, they they tried exploiting Chattanooga's high press by launching it forward to Tiama, which was a good idea. And I think he is the type of player that could do that. Strang is definitely someone that you're not going to muscle him off the ball. I think that's the same with Tiama. It's just that they couldn't do it well enough getting it to him. So just the fact that, no matter, like we were saying, as long as you pop up the goal, that's all we want out of Fords. We just want you to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Something that Ford Madison has struggled with in the last three years. And, and, a, so and you, hopefully it's consistent. Yeah. And so something you identified um, was, you know, kind of the the tactics and one in, one in, and Cassini did not start the match, but was actually, you know, subbed in uh, partway through for, for forward and, you know, uh, kind of came in and, and, you know, occupied a, a an interesting position, um, Strang and, and Bartman, you know, came in, uh, Cassini actually subbed for, uh, at the beginning of the mat, uh, at the beginning of the half for Gebhardt, who kind of shifted more into the wingback role initially, and then was subbed out, um, completely. And, and so to talk a little bit about the tactics, um, and, and you had a, a sub point on that, but, um, you know, and it, at one point, even they switched um, Cassini and I believe it was um, uh, um, up top Probably Cassini and um, Jepson, maybe Jepson. And then Jepson came out and, um, you know, and there was some switching there as well. So they, they actually rolled out with a three, four, three in the match. And, you know, there was some frustration with three in the back. Uh I can cite one Kyle Carr who uh, said uh, sub point to be, can we eat the, uh, uh, can we eat three in the back into the sun? Um, and, you know, and as well, that kind of goes along with my uh, other point here was how much should we read into this first match in terms of tactics, in terms of fluency of play Um Sarah, you know, from your perspective, are you feeling optimistic? Are you, wh- what are you feeling good about? What are you a little concerned about having watched what we've seen so far? I mean, I'm, I'm just from having seen the one viewing, I know you two take the time to rewatch the match um, prior to record, or okay, at least Keith does, judging by Kyle's like, reaction to my comment. Kyle has small children but, and a life. This is true. This is true. I oh, rewatched well, this match. I rewatched every League One match. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, just having seen them, um, I definitely, I'm optimistic. I think, 
I just, even with that goal, you look at that goal, right? You look at everything that went into it. You've talked, you've talked about each forward having a chance to play a role in that. I think that's just some, just a collaboration and a level of teamwork that I felt was missing. Um, there felt like there was an awareness. I, I mean, I watched the highlight um, repeatedly on Twitter, um, <laughs> but there was just a, a general awareness of, I mean, kind of what was going on, where people were that I didn't feel previously. And granted, like you said, it's been a while since we've been regularly watching soccer, but I think that I felt pretty good about that. I felt like, again, can't really judge much by the first match. I would say maybe end of April, early May, I'll probably start getting a little more concerned about things, but give them a chance to kind of settle in, um, get things going. So that I felt pretty good about that though. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I, I'm not loving a back three in USL league one because in order for a back three to work, you either need very good technical skills or a tactic that heavily relies on guys getting forward quickly. And Fortmaston technically probably does have that. Roll J. Smith is very, very fast. Derek Gephardt mm-hmm. is very, very fast. Bartman, if he starts, is a very fast dude. Maldonado, very much so. But the problem is if you're not going to play fast with getting the – once you get the ball, you're kind of moving quickly – then it just compacts it. And, we, and Chattanooga is doing this over and over and over with the press. Fortnite was unable to put passes together. And mm-hmm. it did shift at times going from a 3-4-3, kind of more of a traditional 4-3-3 with uh, Mario kind of going more as a right back. And I think that kind of made things a little bit easier. And I mean, we saw that last year. It was not much imagination going at least i can see what formats is doing they're definitely trying to build it a little bit more quickly or having osman kind of dribble it out the back and kind of get into those spaces maldonado definitely getting the ball and wants to take guys on so and they were going to roll j smith a lot in the beginning which was a good again i get what they were trying to do which was fine i just don't think it works because then your midfield your two central midfielders get completely overwhelmed and as good as awo is Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely hard to have him and Enriquez and Jepson, all guys who probably do their best work off the ball in terms of making the late runs, in terms of popping up. And they're not really guys that take the ball and run out of defense, which is what you saw with Cassini later in the second half is Cassini is a guy that will take the ball and run at them through the middle. That's why I was saying like Maldonado would definitely try and do it out wide. It just didn't work out as well, but I at least liked what he was doing. So there is definitely something there with Ford Madison and I like what they're doing. And again, Chattanooga is a very tough team. They mm-hmm. shit house their way. They're very good at pressing. They're very physical. So this kind of reminded me of playing like a North Texas where this kind of strategy probably doesn't work on a team that wants to be physical. And they're probably going to have that again next week against Omaha. So that again, that's going to be more of a, is this going to be a common thing with this three in the back? I know they were doing it a lot in the preseason. So it's kind of what I expected but it seems like off the ball, it's more of a three, four, three and on the ball is kind of more of a four, three, three kind of interchanges, which is yeah. fine if that's well, the case, well, but your central midfielders have, have to be good it, enough yeah. on the ball. Well, especially if you have Gebhardt as one of your wingbacks, his natural inclination is going to be more forward. Um, yeah. And I think you, you touched on, you know, you, you touched on a number of points. One of one of them that I thought a lot about was and and really the you know we talked a little bit about Chattanooga's press. It was particularly evident for about 10, 12 minutes at the start of the second half. And 
Uh, then they kind of called it off and went back to like classic Mourinho shithousery. Um, and, and that's where, yeah, just having two in the midfield is really going to be difficult because if you're playing a, a you know, classic four, three, three, you're always going to have more guys in the center of that midfield than forward is. And if they're Enriquez and AWO, you know, you need to give them more options. And if you're outside, you know, guys are getting further forward than the ball, they don't have those options. And so I think there were a little bit of a, they made some adjustments in there to, to compensate for that, but also, you know, the Chattanooga press only lasted, it felt longer, but it only lasted a little bit, but it's really that, that that's the danger. And it, it was probably a good adjustment from Chattanooga at halftime to recognize that, you know, here's how forward set up. Uh, you know, they've got three in the back, four in the midfield. I also think four, three in the back is a good formation. You highlighted what, you know, the three, four, three or playing three in the back can bring you, which is if you're going to play fast and counterattack, we didn't get that much. I also don't think Chattanooga really likes to play on the front foot in terms of how they play. So if we're going to go with like a three, four, three on the, you know, on the road when we're expecting teams to come at us and maybe at home shift to more of a four, three, three, because that was one of the things in terms of tactics that, you know, everybody had talked about with Glazer coming in was, Oh yeah. He wants to play like a pressing style. And we didn't see much of that press early on. And then, you know, here's the other thing, you know, if Glazer has a plan and Sarah, this kind of speaks to your point about maybe in May, I'll be a little bit more concerned if he has a plan for how he wants to play at home, how he wants to play on the road, how he wants to, you know, toggle things against certain opponents, and he sticks with that, then I'm okay with this, right? You know, and there there are always ways that you can implement, you know, your ideas into a team. I think, you know, last year we saw with with uh, Craig Carl, Carl Craig, that he wanted us to be a possession-based team to start off with, Right. And then things got a little sticky and it didn't work, right? Well, then you need to add in, and, and I think with if you're a possession team, then what you have to add in is, you know, we're going to be high press then when we lose the ball because that's going to help us create chances. If teams are going to sit deep on us, you know, we're going to lose the ball, we're going to force them, but we never evolved, right? And so it seems right now that maybe, I hope, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, that Glazer has an idea of how he wants to get through the League One season and if it's us playing a 3-4-3 three, three with a little bit more counterattacking on the road against teams that we think should come at us, good. And we can adjust if teams, you know, make adjustments in terms of stepping on the press. And then we can play long, right, to, to Tiam. You know, then that's that's a good thing. But, you know, we don't have a clear identity yet. And I, I'm okay with that. I, you know, it always worries me. <laughs> um you know, because that's what you look at, but I'm okay with it as well. Because you look at that team, you had Eric Leonard who threw himself around like a, a tomato at La Tomatina outside of, of Valencia. Um, you had Brino back and you had Gebhardt back and Enriquez, right? So you had four guys back three on the field to play in the, the mainstream uh, Leonard playing in a little bit different role than he had, you know, because he was the center guy in a back three as opposed to the guy kind of out on the right as he was towards the end of the last year. Gebhardt was, you know, the attacker in the 3-4-3. And then you had Enriquez who, you know, shuffled in and out. 
I'm still not convinced on Enriquez. Um, you know, yeah, it was the press that led to their the the chance where Brino made the great save in the 53rd minute, but also Enriquez got the ball back to the field of play. His first touch was dog manure. His second touch was very slow and indecisive. You know, uh, so yeah, uh, but. Yeah, and I also think there Ford Madison was going at the higher line as well, which I think kind of what you're saying, Keith, like if they're going to go and press up higher, and they were doing that, and sometimes they did get caught out, which then relied on Phil Brino making fantastic saves. If he does not win save of the week, I'm saying the whole thing is rigged. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there right now. But yeah, it, I'm not worried. Like it's not worrying because I wouldn't expect a team that played, what, four preseason matches against competition that is much below them like they played two universities and a usl and mls next team yeah. no three universities and mls next team yeah. so i'm not expecting them to kind of have everything clicking all the way once they start playing higher competition and i think that's where yeah you know, sarah's right like maybe end of may is going to be a little bit more of a key factor and actually no it was two universities and two mls next teams sorry well I'm also wondering, though, just in the change and kind of the staffing that they've invested in, in terms of upping the amount of strength and conditioning training and things like that, if that will somehow play into our ability to actually execute those different patterns. Um, because, you know, we were talking about putting Greeno in that position of having to make those saves, um, things like that. So I'm wondering maybe that might be the key that we're just waiting on. And well, and the you other can tell, thing, like at the end, that they were definitely still more conditioned in Chattanooga. Like that, I right. mean, like I said, AWO getting the ball and sprinting pretty much three fourths of the field. Like that is something that yes, his legs may have been tired, but they were still enough for him to make that those driving runs, and Chattanooga can cope with it. And that's why I was saying, like as the it was getting close to the end of the match, I was like, there has to be an equalizer. They are definitely mm-hmm. the physical fitness of Ford Madison was more evident. Oh, definitely. I think that's what fed into that goal. Like when I was watching it, I was like, they just seem more put together in terms of like, they can still move. And I think that when I saw that kind of collapse of Chattanooga, I was like, this has to be it. Like, how could it not be it? And fortunately, yeah, no, I I think, yeah, the, the fitness and conditioning is a good point. And I also think when we look at the tactics as well, one thing to keep in mind is we're on it. We're starting our year this is not mid year that we're playing three matches in seven days. This is like how we're starting our year. So you also want to make sure that you're not overexerting yourself, getting a bunch of guys hurt here in the first week of the year. Right. And all of a sudden we're in, in real Especially trouble. You don't have your full squad here. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I think, you know, from that perspective as well, I'm a little more forgiving um, of, uh, of, um, you know, one commenter who shall remain nameless, said to me it was 94 minutes of the same boring crack crap and then a last second goal so i'm a little more forgiving a little more optimistic than that uh but hey, going into this at the very least this time it was for madison scoring the last second goal and not conceding it like last year yeah, yeah. And, and and here's the other thing point three chattanooga shithousery they are tremendous at the shithousery they were i mean this i, I was trying to think of a, if it was like of a good comparison and I had to go back to like Greece 2004 uh, in the European Championships, like Mourinho at Porto, shithousery. Um, because like 
and, and I was just watching like right before we started, I was rewatching. I will confess. I didn't make it all the way through the match. Well, I uh, cut you off, but yeah, th- there was a, a stretch at about the 60th, like in the 60th minute mark where like in, in short order, they had a foul not called. They had a foul called on Ford Madison where the guy went down and died. They had a, a, another moment then where they fouled Ford Madison and uh, the guy literally like, it, it wasn't like he fouled the guy and then like stood in front of the ball. No, the guy like made his way in front of the ball so that Ford Madison couldn't take a quick free kick. And I noticed like several of those throughout. Oh, and we have our first appearance of a, of a visitor on the podcast. It's not Sarah Scott. Who, who is this here? <laughs> This is the wonderful Sterling who has finally made his way down here, which I'm surprised that it took this long. I figured he would have done it right from the beginning. So um, we're going to have to earmuff uh, Sterling on, on, on uh, shit housery, huh? Uh, he's fine. He's heard okay. it from me plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have headphones on, so maybe you can't hear that. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sterling, for joining us. Uh, you know, feel free to share anyway. your thoughts as, as you see, see fit. Um, I just saw Desmond, I believe. Is that Desmond? Yes, Desmond is also. Oh, the whole family. The family affair. Yeah. Yes. The family the whole, that podcasts the whole team. together sticks together. Right. Well, um, they'll look but forward to. But back to, to shit Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, what, S-Housery, we can say it so that we're <laughs> polite now going forward. Um, you know. Like they are. And and so a part of the boredom, there was a stretch from like the 73rd minute to like the 90th minute where it felt like it was an NFL game, like 15 minutes of time elapsed. And there was maybe 45 seconds of action on the field because every chance they got, it was like the guy went down. I also noticed, maybe you guys didn't notice this on the second watch. There seemed to be, there seems to be a sock, a shortage of soccer balls bollocks like kicked half of them out of the park yeah during the (laughs) during the the match like brino early on in the second half was like looking for a soccer ball there was a throw in like on the near sideline and they couldn't find a soccer ball like chattanooga has killing the clock down to a science so yeah it was pretty boring uh that second half especially in the 75th minute they at least have guys that are good so it's not the we're going to S our way to doing it with no skill. Yep. Like they have guys like Rafa Mentz again. Villalobos was very, very good. Even yeah, great hit friend, on Brian Bement. Yeah. Like Brian Bement, have, by the way, breaking out the Jesus hair. Who saw that? Yeah. Oh, he was growing that when he was at Chattanooga FC. Like he has yeah. been that he has been growing it. It is impressive. But yeah, like they actually have players that are good and still try and attack at the same time. Like they have their designated players to Jose Marino their way to it, but they also have guys that are like, okay, we actually need a goal. Go like we need an attack. Go do it. And well, and this is the this is like the secret of the the Jose Mourinho at Porto and at at Chelsea is you had very good players, right? But you also had this just s housery urge on on the team. To well, like I mean, improve. look, would it really be the beginning of the season if the refs didn't come back the same way too? Like. I mean, we, I feel we like need this to, was standard we need to keep it on brand. level. I think this was yeah. standard level of refing. So, like, if anything, they are right. They are perfectly good. They're I mean, it's form. so common that Dave, uh, you know, Flamingo has got it on the bingo card. 
for his watch parties. I mean, it's right on there. It's almost as good as a free space. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, and that's the other thing that you have to give credit to Chattanooga for is realizing that the refs just aren't, aren't up to it and making sure that you take advantage of that. And you have that killer instinct. I mean, it's why I think, you know, you can look at Chattanooga and say, they're going to be a pretty, pretty dangerous team again this year. Right. And, you know, Kyla, this is why it kind of let it let into this. How, How good should we expect Chattanooga? How much, you know, are they going to be as good as last year? I mean, they have guys back from last year and in pretty good numbers, you know, uh, should we look at this as a another playoff team going forward? I would expect them to be a playoff team. I actually have them as the team that could win the whole regular season. Like I think very highly of Chattanooga. I think Jimmy Oblade is a very good coach. I think, yes, they lost some key guys in Ricky Ruiz and Jason Ramos, but they brought back a pretty decent core of guys. They have the tactic and the playing style, as we saw with the physicality, that this is a very good team. They play physical. They are going to not let you get into a rhythm. I think they last year they probably should have done better, but they also drew a lot of games that they probably should have won. Like they drew, I mean, hell, they drew against Ford Madison at home last year. They dropped points against, you know, a Revs two or I think other like, but they were also able to beat a North Texas. They they definitely had, I think they had the second most draws behind Ford Madison last year. So if you take a couple of those draws into wins, they're probably at least second place, if not first place. So no, they're going to, I expect them to be a playoff team. I think they're going to be contending for the regular season title. So getting a point on the road at Chattanooga is very, very good. Yeah. I think like, if you look, we were talking earlier about, you know, when do we as forward fans start like thinking and worrying a little bit about, but like, they're very strong. We're, we've seen that for the first, what, you know, what someone was saying, like 94 minutes. Right. And you really technically only need 90. So if they can just continue improving, I think they're going to be super dangerous. Well, especially if you're Chattanooga and you can take, you know, 20 minutes of game clock and only get about four minutes of soccer action out of it. Um, That's tremendous. I mean, that's where my boredom came from in that second half was not that you didn't get the sense that forward wanted to go forward, that forward didn't want to attack, that forward didn't want to equalize. It was just, Just I mean, they were just, you know, in the, in in, uh, national basketball uh, championship terms, uh, you know, North Carolina opening up tonight, they play like the four corners. They take the, the air out of the basketball, right? Um, They take the air out of the soccer ball, by the way, the world's biggest North Carolina fan right here, because if North Carolina wins tonight, I win my pool. Nice. I'd like to point out if, if Kansas wins, Kyle Carr comes in second in our pool. um, And Kelly will come in first. Actually, Kelly's going to win regardless. Um, But, but if Kansas wins, I will finish. I already finished first in one of my pools because everyone got their champion knocked out by like the third, by the second round. It was great. I finished first in that one, second in another one, second in the one with Sarah and all them and second or first, depending on tiebreaker in my work one. I would like to point out though, since Sterling is here that Sterling, Amelia and Sonia, all three toddlers in our bracket pool picked St. Pete to win at least that match. 
do not do not underestimate the wisdom of toddlers. I think is what Honestly, it's he picked mainly just based off of animal mascots. Like if the animals and the logo, that's what he picked. And I think yeah. he did better than my pick on which mascot would win a fight. So at the very least, not watching you basketball can... and going with your gut, toddler, which mascot wins in a fight. By the way, I think, I think very clearly, them, we yeah. very clearly now know if we ever do predictions on the show for upcoming matches, we're going to bring Sterling on to do based on the mascot. So Red Wolf mm-hmm. versus a Flamingo, I guess you'd take the, the Red Wolf so we can view this as an upset from the mascot perspective as well. Although he would have pointed at the Ford Madison logo and just said Dada, so then he would have picked me, and that's an underdog. <laughs> What the, the important yeah, I feel like point there's here, a little bit of bias there, even if we had <laughs> Sterling, Desmond, or Amelia. But, but I think we're really bearing the lead, and we're going to close up here. Yeah. Uh, the, the important thing is if Kyle makes all of this money in all of these pools, the next time we see him at Bree Stevens, very clearly he should be buying us the beers. And this is... This is what this comes down to. I don't I don't know if the checks will come fast enough by Wednesday for that to happen. I'll just sit here and drink my house scotch. I think that'll be fine. <laughs> so thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. Thank, thank you. you, Sterling. Thank you, Desmond, for, for stopping by as well. Thank you, Emma, for stopping by. You know, cast of thousands. Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards. Upwards, not forwards. And always twirling, 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 twirling.